Welcome to The Frontline, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of sales leadership. Whether you're a sales leader yourself or someone who wants to learn more about building an elite sales team, we bring you the insights and strategies from today's top sales leaders living, working, and leading from the front line. Hey, what's up? Welcome to The Frontline. I'm your host, Sean Buxton, Head of Sales Leadership at The Sales Collective. Excited to have our guest today, Zales Wozinski, founder of The Sales Change Agent, founder of Revenue in a Box, and founder and co-host of the Revenue Reimagined podcast, here to share his leadership knowledge today on The Frontline. Welcome, Dale. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate you having me. It's uh, I, I know we were trying to schedule for a little bit, but it's uh, good we're here. Yeah, excited to have you. You're, you sound like a busy guy, a lot of founding going on. <laughs> A lot of founding. Some are some are more uh, entrenched than others, but um, we're super excited because we're, we're just for launching our podcast. So I have a lot of empathy around everything that you're putting together and everything you're doing. Yeah, we were just talking, uh, you know, before we jumped on here, how it's it's so much more than just the cool part, which is this, you know, that the conversations. There's a lot. This is the easy part. Yeah, it's totally easy part, and uh, I think we all think oh, I'll do a podcast, and then. You realize it's a lot of uh, work behind the scenes, but uh, we get to talk to cool people like you all the time. And so that makes it worth it for us. So uh, we always like to just get right in. And so I want to know your background a little bit. What first sparked your interest in that frontline sales leadership role? How'd you get started? Yeah. So as we were talking about a little bit before, I, I'm a bit of a different sales leader. I have some technical expertise. Uh, I used to do some coding and build out uh, a lot of implementation work. Um, I realized when I was doing implementation that my sales rep was doing things that I really didn't like. And so I would have to like fix everything that they were doing in the sales process. So I'm like, sales is broken. Like, how do we fix the sales process like better? So then I was like, okay, I'll get into sales. And so I started doing sales, carrying a bag, understanding the challenges that are happening there. And I'm like, it's not really sales people necessarily that are having a challenge. It's really sales leadership. And so um, that transition I went into from carrying a bag, finding all the challenges that we had in carrying a bag, and then figuring out how I could actually help uh, help sales leaders or salespeople become better salespeople through a better leadership style. What do you think some of those qualities are that you need to have to, to have that sales leadership style that you're talking about, one that's effective? Yeah, I think it's um I think it starts with a, a lot of EQ. So we talk a lot about IQ and there's a lot of um uh intelligence that's needed as you're going through the process, but there's a lot of EQ that's needed. And I think what people don't realize in leadership is there's a lot of empathy, there's some transparency, there's there's words that people don't really always like to use when you're going in that that direction, but having the empathy and transparency and a little bit of the vulnerability um, makes you more of a real person versus like, it's not like you report to me. It's more like I report to you and how can we collaborate together? Cause only together we will make uh, success for the organization, especially in a revenue perspective. How did you, when you were uh, made that first transition, did you get any kind of sales training or coaching uh, for that first role? No, it was a lot of, uh, Fire. It was a lot of training by fire, uh, real experience. I did get my uh, MBA, so I was going through a lot of that process as well. Um, but I, I tried to just model myself 
against leaders that I was seeing in the industry at the time and that what I, what I wanted to model. And then just, I'm a lifetime learner. So I read books, did a lot of podcast stuff, uh, a lot of like reading through that process, um, but no formal sales training and I, I, sales leadership training. And I think that in itself is one of the biggest gaps that we have is not having that leadership training because in, in sales and revenue a, a lot, we just take the best sales rep and we try to put them in as the, the sales leader. And they're just different. They're just very different um, attributes that you need. It's, it's almost like if I put the analogy to sports, the best players don't always make the best coaches. In fact, 90% of the time, they don't make the best coaches. And so I think about that same thing in, in sales. Yeah, we, we've seen that a lot. I'm uh, thinking of the NFL uh, players like Mike Singletary, you know, great linebacker, not such a great coach necessarily uh, for the whole team, maybe a good assistant coach, but uh, we're to not getting into too much football here. <laughs> Why do you think that is? That's, that's, you know, that's the area I, I work in the most is with that frontline sales leader role, that frontline sales manager role. Many times it is somebody that's brand new. They've never done this before. It's yeah. always shocked me how many people that are in your position have had to learn the hard, expensive, you know, difficult way uh, versus, you know, we have a sales team. And one of the first things we want to do if the sales team isn't doing well is, oh, well, let's get them some sales training, right? But then to your point, we promote somebody from the sales team to sales manager, sales leader, and never occurs to most organizations that they'll need something beyond, you know, maybe some generic HR management training, right? That's, it doesn't really apply to sales. It's a lot of, you know, kind of fluffiness in my opinion. Uh, but yeah. that, that sales leadership specific uh, training, and I always describe it this way is like, you know, how do you build a high performance team constantly asking them to hit higher targets without them hating your guts? Like that's the, the balance <laughs> of sales leadership, right? Why do you think uh, so many organizations skip that or miss that? I actually don't think it's just in sales. I think in general, like if we go across like leadership, like whether it's leadership in development, leadership in marketing, like they're, they, for some reason, we always skip that step of like getting them training, getting them education. And so you'll see a lot of organizations now, if I was to go into an organization and become a leader, I'd want a budget to not only train my team, but train myself and get a coach for myself. Like I have a coach that I work with all the time. Just because you're you're always learning, like things are always changing, and so I think it's just a a line item that it makes and we make assumptions that if you are a good leader, that you don't need coaching, you don't need training. Um, I just think it's skipped. I I think it's just a a big miss on like the the higher leadership, like the CEO, the founders of the world. Um, we would we would be much more effective and efficient if we actually enable that training mechanism or have coaching through the process. Like what are the things that we can help in that to, to make you grow? So we set goals, especially in sales, we set like revenue goals, but we don't set like, how are we going to help people grow in that, in that role? I think it's just like setting it. Yeah. Yeah. I follow you. And I, I don't think any, any newly promoted person wants to raise their hand and go, I know you just promoted me, but I need a coach. I need some help. I need some training. It's all—it's almost like we promote that one role thinking, oh, well, you're ready to do this because you've been doing the individual contributor role. It's just always. And it's back to being a little vulnerable on both sides. Like it could be like the person being like, hey, I, I, I want to have a little bit of coaching. 
and I think it's been kind of, I don't know if it's voodoo is the right word, but it's like looked looked down upon to say, Hey, yeah. I, I might need a little bit of help on X, Y, Z. Um, in fact, a lot of leaders that I know are going into communities to get this, this um, interaction. So instead of asking their leadership, like smart leaders that I know about are going into communities, to ask other leaders questions and get like peer to peer interaction versus just like not doing it, not doing anything. Like a lot of times before, probably even before COVID and before like the community revolution was starting to come up there, the only thing you could do is like go read, uh, take a class, all that kind of stuff. Now there's peer to peer that's happening in the communities. And if I'm, if I was running a company today, what I would do is give a budget for the leader to not only go get training and make sure they have everything they need to be successful in that position, but also give them a bit of a, a budget to, to enable them to go through some of these paid communities out there to make sure that they're getting peer to peer. Like we live in this echo chamber world where either you're hearing a bunch of people on LinkedIn or you're asking the same people, the same questions all the time. This echo chamber is not good for you to like uh, evolve and change and learn because in sales, let's be honest, like it's, like there's so many broken things right now. Like buyers are more uh, are smarter. They're more educated. They're not doing top of funnel. They're not answering emails. Like how do you go through some of these things? And I think it's like having these conversations with your peers to understand what is working and what's not working because we test and taste so many things in revenue today. Like why not try to get ahead of it by talking with your peers? Yeah, I like that. It's an environment where they can go without losing any kind of credibility or or their leadership thinking, oh, maybe we made a mistake. If they need this kind of help, maybe they're not the right person for their job. I like need that. Need a safe space. Yeah, you yeah. need a safe space. Exactly. You mentioned, I want to go back to something you mentioned. Um, you mentioned goals. Um, can you walk us through your approach? If you can recall back when you're on those front lines of sales leadership, you know, your first role, because so much of our audience is is the first time sales leader. Uh, and then we'll get into kind of like how you advance through your career and the, the, sure. the intricacies of that here in just a minute. But can you walk us through your approach to setting and achieving sales goals on the front lines there and how you measured success with your team? I still do today. So like I'm part of the person, like I want to get my hands dirty. Like I, I think how you set goals and measure is getting your hands dirty and figuring out what's working and what's not working. I don't think we can set goals for people if you don't know what they're going through. So um, I implore most front frontline sales leaders to actually do the work, go through the process, make sure that you know where those challenges are. Because when you're, when the people you're working with or that you're uh, managing come to you and say, I'm having a challenge with X or I'm having a challenge with Y, if you haven't actually done it yourself, it's super hard to understand like what they're really saying. Like you may just blow it off. Like, oh, you should be able to make 200 calls a day or whatever the, the metric might be. But if right. you're going through that process and starting to do it, you may find, well, it's not as easy as you think it is. And so putting yourself in those shoes is, is much more, is much important, much as is as important. And then I think setting goals from the ground up, like we talked a little bit about this before we got on most organizations uh, plan from the top down. So uh, the founder, the CFO, the financial people say, okay, we want to grow by X percent. And so here's your new quota. Instead of like coming back to the sales leader or the revenue leader and saying, what are the things that we need to do to be successful to hit this type of number? Well, 
we may need better conversion rates or we may need to hire more people or we may need a, a myriad of different things. And so I think when you're setting goals, you have to come from the bottom up as well as the top down so that you get a achievable goal, not easy. Like it shouldn't be easy, but it should be achievable. And I think so many goals that are getting set today are not achievable. Yeah, because they're based on something the business needs to do or the investors want or the board, right? It's, it's yeah. based off of something. It's top down. Yeah, and we work backwards from there. You're right. That's exactly. And it's like, is it realistic? Like, you know, do you have over assignments? Do you understand on those over assignments, you know, or do you understand like you have one really good top performing rep that's like crushing everything else and you have a bunch of underperforming reps underneath? Um, do you really know what your average deal size is because like 80% of your business is that average deal size or do you like, are you all over the place? Like there's so many little metrics and nuances that you have to understand as a sales leader that I think we don't dig enough into the data. Like we're driving decisions based on gut. We should be driving decisions based on data. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that on your LinkedIn, I was looking through uh, some of the, uh, experience that you have. And so I want to transition to that if we could for a while, yeah. because I thought it was really interesting. You know, a lot of people, when they put their experience, uh, their past roles, uh, the role that they're in now, it's a lot of like, here's what I do. You know, here's who I help. I noticed with yours, uh, with the sales change agent, you know, you started actually like sharing some good content here, some valuable insight. And so I want to work through these with you, uh, yeah. if you don't mind, because I think our audience will really benefit from that. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you do uh, now at the sales change agent and uh, kind of describe to the audience your role. And then we'll get into the four areas that you outline. Yeah. So I am a fractional go-to-market officer. I think that's the best way to describe it. I used to be like just focusing on sales, but because I have a good product background, because I understand enough about marketing, I'm really deep in the CS and I'm learning rev ops. Like, all these things together make up revenue. It's not just sales. And I've been in a space where we've been super successful in sales, but we've lagged in marketing or we've been super successful in marketing and we lagged in sales. So I, I think, or lagged in, yeah, we lagged the other way. So I think those two pieces, we need to really just figure out the best way to kind of collaborate. So I work with founders on one, what their goals are, going through the data, even if they don't have the data, like a lot of these founders don't have data. The reality is, you know, I'm right now I'm working with a lot of seed, pre-seed um, companies. Even when you get into series A, you may not know what your close rates are. You may not know what your average deal sizes are. Like it's not, a, it's not a bad thing not to know. It's bad if you don't set your goals. Like what are, what's the goalposts that you're like going back to the sports analogy. I played soccer in college. So if I don't know where the soccer goal is, I don't know how to kick it or the same thing with a field goal. Like if you don't know where the goalposts are, like you're just kicking a, uh, kicking a ball somewhere. So I think you have to have a goal. And if you miss the goal, then you have to like backtrack and do an analysis. Like, okay, we didn't have good conversion rates or we needed more top of funnel or whatever those rates are, but you need data to make better decisions. Like people can't say, well, I think I have a product that someone's going to spend $45,000 on. Like in your gut, that's what a founder may say. But the reality is you may, like the market is always right. The market may tell you, no, your product's worth $25,000. So I think you got to test and taste that data all the time. So uh, we're looking here at, at uh, some of the areas that you focus on. You said there are four high level pillars that you work on 
to scale these sales organizations that you work with and that these pillars build on each other. So let's start with number one. The first one you list out here is setting expectations. So tell us a little bit about that. Whew. This one's a big one because I think yeah. um, I think this is where a lot of people get in trouble. Um, I think we can't make assumptions. So I think you set the expectation early and measure it and, and visit it often. And when I say often, it could be weekly. So we're going to look to do uh, X number in net new deals, X number in renewals, X number in referrals. And like you start measuring to each of those on a weekly basis. And then if something's off, like, Hey, our pricing strategy is off. We actually should be going more towards a PLG motion. Like, Let's all get realigned and let's like make sure we're measuring to the PLG motion. Like too many times we make decisions. We don't all agree and, and align on the expectations. And then like we wonder why we get off the track. So make sure everyone's on the same page. Make sure that it's clear and make sure we're measuring weekly. Because if you start measuring and you don't measure till like even at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter, like you could totally throw yourself way off base. And so I always like to talk to the talk to my uh, clients and or founders or who are, like if I'm in if I'm in the company, like making sure that we're aligning on a weekly basis. Great. And you also you mentioned this before, uh, but you're talking about the gut feel and how important the metrics are and then making data driven decisions. That's your number two here that you have listed. But you call out four different data points that you said, hey, these are the ones that you really feel like you got to get a handle on. The first one is close rate. Then you said deal velocity, average deal size, and churn rate. Why are those four the ones that I need to be paying attention to or start with? At yeah, least? it's it's a you know, and I may need to update this when I'm talking about the whole go to market, but this is just in the in the sales function. So we have to understand like a lot of times when we're talking about average deal size or time to close, like we may have an interpretation of what it is, but if we pull the data and we look at what it is, it could be like. 80% of the deals are actually below that average deal size or above that average deal size. And so you got to get a sample of like, what's the variation of all the deals that you have or how long all the, all those deals take, or even your close rates. Like if we know what our close rate is, let's say our close rate is 25%. That means if I go up more, if I go upstream to marketing, I need four X that pipeline qualified to get to that number. Like, so that number is super important because then I can go up to marketing and say, okay, I need, you know, if you have a million dollars for the goal, I need four X that I need 4 million in qualified pipeline to get to that close number. And now we are actually even segmenting it. So it could be, you know, qualified lead to opportunity ratio, uh, qualified uh, to opportunity to demo ratio, demo to close ratio. So we can actually even segment them even more depending on the business. But I think those are important. And then if I look at it from a whole go-to-market perspective, it's like, how many leads do I need that aren't even qualified? Because if you look at that number, that may blow your mind on the amount of like, do we even have the enough customers to go after? Do we have to expand our market that we're chasing after? Like, there's a lot of questions that you go through. But I think if you have a fundamental basic, even if you don't know, like even if you say your close rate or you only close one or two deals, Let's say a good close rate is 25%. Like if you get it to 20%, now you need 5X pipeline. So you could do math very quickly to figure out how much how much work you need to put in to get to the output of the number. Yeah, and then you mentioned in number three, you mentioned the sales pipeline. Uh, what do you think? What do you think the biggest mistake is that leaders make with the pipeline when they're looking at a pipeline? Yeah, I think the 
biggest challenge is like deals getting stuck in pipeline velocity in that pipeline. Like that's why it builds on top of each other. That sales, that sales pipeline, like, are you being honest? Are you being real in that pipeline? Like, and then are we starting to bring in marketing in the, in the front end of the sales process and CS in the back end of the sales process? Like we should not be having handoffs between the different functions in the go-to-market. We should actually just be having transitions. So the handoff would be like, hey, I'm going to hand you off a customer to CS. A transition is like the CS person's involved in the sales process near the end. They're already in that process. So they know expectations. They're starting to understand the, the, the players in the space. Like as a customer, who wants to be handed off? Like I would rather like know who my CS person is and kind of get them through the process. So sales pipeline is it becomes a bigger uh a bigger place of being able to not only be able to forecast, because I think when people think about pipeline, they think about forecasting, but like, what are the processes in that sales uh, pipeline and where are we potentially getting stuck in that sales pipeline? Yeah. And that's one of the things that we do here at sales collective, as you know, is we work with businesses that don't even have a really documented sales process. Like it's in somebody's head or, you know, typically goes from stage one to stage one and a half to maybe two. And then the whole sales process is, is drug out or to your point, maybe the customer doesn't have the greatest experience working through the sales process, you know, feels handed off or what have you. And I, and I think, so you make a super interesting point, Sean, like if I was to give like the audience one piece of advice, like document everything, like document it and revisit it often. So not only document it, like if I'm a founder and I'm starting to build this thing out, like some of the founders I work with, they just, they're, they're documenting, they're documenting, they're documenting. Cause then as you start to scale, you like, if you're in scale mode and you don't have the documentation in the foundation, like you're in trouble. Like you're already behind because it's not going to get easier. Like, so let's document them as much as you can. And I even tell founders, like send a voice recording, send the voice, like whatever it is, we'll translate it. Especially now that we have so much transcription stuff, like we'll translate it into a document that then we can build a process around. Um, because once you start scaling and you're getting customers and you go through the process, like documentation is like the last thing. And I think I learned this from my days of coding. Like if you're building code or a product, like you have to document it. So if you, if someone else ever, someone else ever looks at your code, you have to understand what you were trying to accomplish in that code. Um, and it's the same thing in the sales process. Like you have to document what you're trying to accomplish. Got it. Uh, the last one, number four, is aligning to the buying process. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this ties into the sales funnel um, once again. Like too many people are selling the feature functionality. It's all about them. And so I actually think there's really no sales process anymore. Sales process is internal for ourselves. But the buying process is how the buyer is going to buy your product. And so a lot of times we get into no decisions, we get into stalled deals because we don't actually understand the buying process. We're afraid to ask the question like, how does the buying process work? Tell me a little bit about it. It could be that they never bought your product or service that you're trying to sell to them. So they may be like, when you ask them the question, you have to ask it in a way, like ask better questions, get better answers. Um, but you have to be able to like coax them through that process of, you know, walk me through how you would go about buying this. Like we, we derived the value. Now walk me through that process. And they may be like, I'm the decision maker. I write the check. And then you got to kind of go through that process. Or it's, 
you know, first I get it, then I have to like give it to a buying committee and then it goes to legal. And then we have uh, technical uh, specifications that we have to run through. So knowing what all those buying processes or, or steps are and documenting those, I call them joint engagement plans or mutual action plans, just documenting them super easily, sharing them with the customer so that like you guys, once again, it circles back to expectations. So expectations only aren't only about internally, expectations are externally as well. Like I expect my customer to be doing X because they expect me to be doing Y. Great stuff. If you want to check that out, you're listening and uh, you want to check that out, check out Dale's LinkedIn. It's just right there in his experience section. Uh, and I'd be happy to share like s some stuff about like my joint engagement plans. Like they're super easy. Um, recaps, like I think in the sales process and a lot of this stuff, like foundationally people aren't doing the right things. Like we have to send recaps to people, not only for the customer, but for yourself. Like if you're managing 10 deals and you have a great conversation with somebody, you're like, I'm going to remember it. And then you don't remember it. And then you have a call with them like in two weeks. And like, if you have that recap, like you have everything right there at your hands, like be prepared. Yeah, that's key for sure. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, what are some of the common misconceptions that you think are out there about sales leadership that you'd like to dispel? This is it's your opportunity to say, no, it's not really like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, for me, it's not about me managing people. It's about like, I don't like, I don't think that people report to me. I think that I report to other people. So I think there's a, a level set on like, we're not pushing down. Like we need to be on the same page. Like we're, our success is like, tied together and like figuring out how to tie those together. The other one that I think is a big misconception are one-on-ones are, are for forecasting. And I hate that. Like one-on-ones are for the people that report to you so that you can make sure that you're working for them and figuring out what they need to be successful in their job. Like we ask a lot of, of the people that report to us and they should be just as well. They should be, they should have the ability to ask us as leaders to go get something done and it gets done. So one-on-ones, I actually have, I have my reps run them themselves and bring me an agenda. We'll do forecasting as a team. And if we need to do a one, one off forecast call, we will, but those one-on-ones are really for your reps to be able to come to you and ask you questions to help them be better at their job. So what would you say uh, to a frontline manager then that says, okay, great. So Dale, I told my team that I work for them. I report to them. You know, I'm here to support them. Now I have some people on my team that, uh, that aren't hitting their, their targets, right? They're not hitting their goals. They're not hitting their number. They're not hitting the activities. Like they're not, I don't, I don't feel like they're measuring up to where we need to be to hit our, mm -hmm. our team goals. How, how do you balance that? The whole, you know, servant leadership, yeah. which I get that yeah. uh, with the, Hey, we still have a job to do. Uh, how, how are you going to coach somebody like that? I always say sales isn't for everybody. Uh, sales is a tough job. There's a lot of different things that go into sales. Um, and I think we all have to be accountable. Like just because you, you're a servant leader doesn't mean that your team isn't accountable for what they're doing. Um, and you kind of just got to walk them through it and make sure they have all the tools. Like maybe they need education. Maybe they need coaching. Maybe they need uh, X, Y, Z. And if not, it may just not be the right fit. Like a lot of, because I work with a lot of startup founders, 
a lot of what ends up happening is if you haven't been in that startup world or you haven't worked through like having to like create your own deck and go through these own processes, like it may just not be a good fit. And I think we have to be honest and upfront with that as well. Like, hey, I'm going to give my all into it. And if you aren't going to give your all into it, like let's have that conversation so that we make sure that we're once again aligned. There are three things that that are must haves for me when we have when I when I hire somebody, you have to have like the grunt, like you have to have, be able to do the work. Like it's hard work being a salesperson. Like, are you committed to doing the work and going through the process, even if it's like not producing all the results you need right away? That's the first thing. Like you can't really teach that. Like you either have that or you don't. The second one is integrity, like making sure that you like when you you first of all, you believe in the product, you're going to sell it. You have integrity. You're not going to sell stuff that we don't have or you're just trying to make a quick commission buck. Like integrity is super important, not only for the job today, but for your whole reputation. Like most of these most of the salespeople may not be at where they're going to be for the rest of their life. Keep that reputation intact. Keep your integrity intact. And then the last one is coachability. So coming back to what you were just asking me about you have to be coachable. Like things are like, I want to be coached as well, but you have to be coachable. Like I've gone through this for a long period of time. I have experience in it. I'm not going to tell you things that you're going to be hearing from a long time ago. It's going to be like recent events, things that are happening. Um, so you have to be coachable because if you're not coachable, like it's not going to work out. Yeah. And I tell not, people that right up front. You tell them right up front that yep. if you're not coachable, we're not going to, Right. Yep. Along. Okay. Yep. Good. Good. I like that. Um, and not to plug the sales collective, but you know, we do a, a an assessment or audit of salespeople mm -hmm. um, that measures those exact things that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So you can know that up front when you hire them, uh, you know, up front, if they're coachable, if they have the desire, you know, they have the drive or not. And uh, that's been incredibly valuable for our sales leaders to have that information right up front, you know, and maybe avoid a bad hire. So we never even get started because, Mm -hmm. That person just isn't coachable. They've got it all figured out. So they're not going to need any help from me or you. You got um, to be that. You got to be coachable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Last question here. Uh, we always run out of time with these. Uh, <laughs> so much good stuff. Last question. I always like to ask um, our guests here. If you were dropped on a, a deserted sales island and you had to mm -hmm. survive. Okay. So we're just going to drop you on this island. You're on your own, but it's a sales island. What would be the one thing that you would want to have as a sales leader uh, to survive? It could be, you know, it could be a tool. It could be a skill. It could be an individual. It could be anything. What, what would you want to have? Um, I'd want to have people on the island that are willing to work hard, have integrity and uh be coachable like if i have those three things we can sell anything we can sell anything out there love it love it love it all right uh so dale where can people connect with you yeah best place people connect with me is on linkedin i'm there all the time i'm trying to get into other social media places but linkedin is probably the best place to connect with me dm me send me a message um uh, read some of the content and uh you know, and then I think the other place that you'll find me a lot right now is uh, Revenue Reimagined Podcast. So we'll drop in every Wednesday. Our first episode's tomorrow. So we're dropping that on uh, July 19th. This probably won't be out in time, but, um, you know, come check us out there because I think uh, for your audience, there'll be people that are on that podcast that have done this in multiple different ways and can give a lot of great advice. 
And one of the things that um, we do on the podcast is every one of our guests gives something um, uh, or we ask them if they want to give something. So we have giveaways all the time. It could be like uh, tomorrow we're giving away a, a, a year of Lavender Pro for free. Um, some consulting work from Kyle Assey is, uh, is being given away. Um, we're giving away some iPods, uh, AirPods, and um, uh, I would like to give back to, the, to your audience as well. So Adam and I just uh, generated a book called Manager to Leader. Um, it's an ebook that we're going to be releasing probably next week or so. So um, we'll select one of your listeners, however you want to do it, to, uh, to give out that ebook. All right. Awesome. Uh, well, let's make it uh, the first person to come and leave a comment when we post this uh, gets okay. access to that ebook. Great. Yep. Appreciate that, Dylan. Make sure that you check out that podcast. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Hey, thank you for spending some time with us today, Dale. And thank you for listening to The Frontline. We invite you to jump into the conversation with us on LinkedIn. Share your thoughts, your own experiences as a sales leader. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to tune in for our next episode where we'll continue exploring the front lines of sales leadership. Until then, thanks for listening. I'm Sean Buxton, and we'll see you on The Frontline. Thank you. Are you ready to take your sales team to the next level? Our team of world-class coaches can help, whether it be sales process, hiring rockstar sellers, or simply building your sales and sales leadership skills. The Sales Collective has you covered. Visit us today at thesalescollective.com.